This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, now know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Thank you, Deb. Uh, For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the topic of prayer uh, because prayer is uh, such an important aspect of our lives as followers of Christ Jesus, as our lives together here at Community Covenant. But I want to start uh, by sharing a story. It's a story that Pastor H.B. Charles tells about a woman in his church that used to show up every Sunday, and when it came time to pray, she would pray the same prayer over and over again. She could be heard throughout the church saying, Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. In fact, it was so predictable that the children in the church when it came time for prayer, began to giggle and laugh in anticipation of her saying, Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. And so one day, someone finally asked her, why in the world do you pray this same prayer over and over again? And she said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. First of all, I live in a, in a bad neighborhood. And at night, when I go to sleep, I hear gunshots, there are bullets flying, I hear sirens, helicopters overhead. And all I can do is grab my my child and cry out, Oh Lord! And then morning comes, and we're safe, and things are okay, and and all I can think to say is, Thank you, Jesus. 
And then when I walk her to school in the morning and I, and I put her on the bus, I, I don't know what the day's gonna bring. I, I don't know what's gonna happen to my, my little baby. And all I can think of is to say, Oh Lord. But then in the late afternoon when the bus arrives and she gets off, my heart is just full of gratefulness and all I can think to say is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so she said, those are the only two prayers I know when I get to church. God has been so good to me that I just put those two prayers together and I say, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes prayer is much simpler um, than we think it is. It's an expression of our thoughts and our feelings, our petitions, our concerns to the Lord. It involves expressing ourselves and waiting to hear, listening for answers. And, and in that, all the while trusting that our God is a God, although the Creator of the universe is God our Heavenly Father and, and He's near and he delights in the petitions of his children. And uh, there's no complexity involved at all in that. It's about an intimate relationship with our Creator who loves us, who cares for us, who hears the deepest cries of our heart, O oh Lord. And then when he acts, he takes great joy in our gratitude. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Our passage today in, in Luke 11 is about prayer. In fact, it begins with Jesus praying. It says that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And uh, Jesus was modeling uh, a spiritual principle, the foundation of spiritual life for His disciples. And that's prayer. And all through the Gospels, we see different times and examples of when Jesus went to prayer and, and how He prayed. We'll be talking more about that in the next several weeks as we look at prayer. But in this case, His disciples knew that there was something about prayer, something about the way Jesus prayed, something about His intimate connection to His Heavenly Father that, that they wanted to know about, that, that they wanted for their own lives. And you know, that's an exciting thing about prayer. I don't know about you, uh, but as I look at the prayer wall out in the lobby of the church, and as I look at our prayer team in the back, uh, as I hear people around me petitioning the Lord or thanking the Lord in prayer, um, it makes me want to go to prayer. And the truth is this, we see in our passage today, um, we learn to pray by doing two things being around people who pray, and by praying ourselves. And that's exactly what's going on in our passage. The disciples are around Jesus. Uh, they've observed His prayer life, and they want that for themselves. But there's a, another thing that's going on. As Jesus is praying, they say, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught His disciples. Now, they're referring to John the Baptist. And in Jewish culture, one of the things that identified a community or a community of a teacher and his disciples was 
their prayers. And prayers gave them not only a sense of community together, but prayer also, particularly what they prayed for, gave them a sense of identity as a community. And so what we're seeing here are Jesus' disciples looking at Jesus, and they're saying, we want to engage God, our Heavenly Father, just as you do. But not only that, could you teach us to pray as a community, as a group? And in that prayer, we can have a greater sense of identity with you and where you're leading us as your followers. And so in the first couple of verses here, it really sets the tone for the entire passage. And so Jesus then said to them, when you pray, say. And then he gives them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Well, really, it's a prayer that the Lord gave to his disciples so we could rightfully say that it is the disciples' prayer. And and in it... It provides a model of of how to pray. But it's very important. When Jesus responds to their request, he said to them, when you pray. Now, in in the language that our text is written in, the you is plural. Okay, And so, what Jesus is saying is when you pray together, when you come together, And what he's saying is prayer is an important aspect of community. That's why we emphasize that here. That's why it's so important here at Community Covenant. Because Jesus told his disciples that prayer needs to be something that you not only do as individuals, but it's also something that's a vital part of your community together. Because where there is prayer, there's unity. And where there is unity, the Holy Spirit moves in power. When God's people are united and together in prayer, you might recall Acts chapter 2. And of course, Luke, the author of this passage, is also the author uh, of Acts, the good Dr. Luke. And you might know that it was when the disciples were in the upper room, the 120, and they were all praying together. What happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them in power and equipped them for the mission that Christ had for them. And so he gives them this model of prayer. And not that every time that followers of Christ come together, they they need to pray these exact words, but in it we find a, a format for prayer. It begins with the word Father. What that talks about is paternal intimacy. Now, for some of us who who didn't experience uh, the love of a father or our fathers weren't present or there was distance, there wasn't that kind of, of uh, paternal intimacy. Uh, the word father may be uh, difficult for us to translate, but, but what Jesus is saying here in the very best sense of the word, God is the ultimate father. He embodies everything that a, a father should give and, and model for his children that there is an intimate relationship between father and son, father and daughter. And so when Jesus says father, he's speaking about the very best of what it means for a father to be in relationship 
with his children and children to be in relationship with their father. There's an intimacy there. But there's also a humility and a respect. For although God is our Heavenly Father, He also is the sovereign God of the universe, the Creator of all things. And so we recognize that. We approach Him as a God who is intimate, but we don't want our familiarity with God um, to get in the way of, of our respect and our reverence for Him. That we recognize who He is and what He has done. And so, hallowed be your name is about humility and respect. Your kingdom come. Really, as, as His followers, we're about the kingdom. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, that we would pursue the kingdom. That we would be about His kingdom work. The kingdom of God established in our hearts and lives. And as we live for Him, we visibly manifest what the kingdom looks like to the world around us. And that's our work until either the Lord takes us home or He comes to receive us. We're about kingdom work. And so we say, Your kingdom come. And as we talk about that, we're talking about the just rule of Christ. And about the vindication of all those who, while following in, have conflict in the world. That not only will we experience the whole and total and complete just rule of Christ, but we as His followers will be vindicated. And so we say, Our Father, hallowed be Thy name. Your kingdom come. Then He says, Give us each day our daily bread. That God is our ultimate source of hope. That we go to God. He is our provider. That we are dependent upon Him for all things. Including our relationship with others. And then, he's, then He says to say, forgive us our sins. God is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 But also, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. In other words, what Jesus is saying is we need to come to the Lord for forgiveness but we also need to be willing to model our own request. In fact, in, in Jewish culture and in the Scripture, we see it uh, over and over again that unforgiveness in our hearts towards our brothers and sisters really becomes a, a barrier to our relationship with God Himself. And so we want to be in right relationship with God, and part of that is being in right relationship with our brothers and sisters. And finally, he says, and lead us not into temptation. And really what that is speaking about is that we need to be led by God in our life. That left to our own device, left to, to try to lead ourselves, we are going to stumble. We are going to fall. And God wants to take our hand the way a loving parent would take the hand of a child. And He wants to walk with us through life. And as we walk with God in intimate relationship, as our heart is right with Him, as we're dependent upon Him for all things, not only our basic worldly material needs, but our spiritual needs themselves, that He will keep us from the sin that so easily entangles us, that, that we're subject to when we try to lead and live life on our own. 
And so he gives them that model prayer. But then he gives them a parable, a story to illustrate prayer. The, the first part of our passage is what to pray. And he gives them that model. We call it the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. But how should we pray? And he, he gives us a story of the friend at midnight. And what it is is a, a man is home asleep. And a friend who's been traveling, oftentimes people travel at night during the hot desert um, uh, environment of the Middle East. And so as they traveled at night, often they'd arrive at their destination later or in the wee hours of the morning. And so the story is of of a man who receives a friend who's been traveling all night. And that friend comes to his house. Now, in Jewish custom, hospitality is so very very important. And one of the ways that you express intimacy with someone is to break bread with them and to have a meal with them. That's very personal. That's very intimate. And so what would happen is if a guest came to your home, even if it was late at night or in the wee hours of the morning, you would then sit them down and serve them a meal. You would break bread with them. Uh, Not to do so would be a violation of the custom of, of having hospitality. Well, in this instance, a man receives his friend and he goes to look and he says, I'm all out of bread. My family ate all our bread, allotment of bread for that day. And again, the custom was um, that fresh bread would be made every morning and there'd be enough bread made to take a family through the evening. But if you had an uninvited or an unanticipated guest come, you wouldn't have known to keep, to keep bread for that person. And so this person's in a quandary. What am I going to do? Am I going to snub my guest by not serving him a meal? Or am I going to go to my neighbor's house and am I going to knock on my neighbor's door and wake him up and ask for him to give me some bread that I could borrow? So either way, I'm in a difficult situation. Do I disappoint my friend or do I annoy my neighbor? Well, what happens here is the, the man decides to go to his neighbor. And he goes and he, he knocks on the door. And he knocks on the door. And he knocks on the door. And eventually, the neighbor says, hey, listen, go away. My kids are asleep. The house is shut down. And, and really, there was one room to the house. And it was a living room. It was a a dining room, and it was a bedroom. And, and at night, it would become the bedroom. There'd be mats laid in row across the floor, and the whole family would sleep there. And then the door would have two rings on the door and on the wall. And there'd be a bar, a wooden bar that would be placed in the ring that would lock the door at night. And so literally what the man was saying is, hey, listen, we're all in bed. I'm not going to get up, step over my family, wake them up, get a light, and then have to come and take the bar out of the door to answer your request. It's too much of a hassle. But what does the man do? He keeps knocking, he keeps knocking, he keeps knocking, he keeps knocking. And finally, the man says, all right, enough already. And he gets up and he answers and he gives the man the bread. Not because he's his friend, but because really... He's been annoyed and he's worn down. He says, enough already. Jesus, in this parable, talks about prayer that is persistent. 
prayer, that continuing knocking. I have a need. You need to know about it because you're the one who can meet that need. But in that knocking, in the, in the failure for the friend to answer the door, there's prayer that's persevering. And I'm going to persevere until you do answer. Not only am I going to be persistent in my request, but I'm going to persevere until you answer. And then finally, the man answers and he gives his friend the bread that he's requesting. And so we see prayer as being persistent. We see prayer as being persevering. And we see prayer as being prevailing. That we prevail in prayer. And then Jesus wraps up. He wraps up the parable by saying this. So, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There was a great rabbi teacher named Hillel. And, and he came up uh, with several principles for teaching spiritual topics of how to teach. One was called from lesser to greater. Jesus would have been familiar with this, and that's what he's using here. What he's doing, he's saying, listen, here's the lesser. If a friend is woken up in the middle of the night who really doesn't want to answer the door, ultimately will answer it and provide for his friend's request and need that's knocking, the friend that's knocking. How much more? Lesser to greater. How much more will your heavenly Father who loves you who wants you to come to Him, who asks you to knock on the door, a God who's approachable, a God who is gracious, a God who is generous, a God who is ready to hear because He cares about what you care about. How much more will our great Heavenly Father receive you? And so Jesus says, you come and ask. You seek, you'll find. You knock and that door is going to be open because your heavenly Father is on the other end of it. And He's ready. He's ready. There is a musician named Bono with a group named U2. This is what he says. He says, God doesn't mind if we bang on the door of heaven sometimes asking Him to listen to what we have to say. And yet you and I know sometimes as we bang on the door to heaven, and we're waiting for that answer to prayer, it's not because God doesn't want to answer. Um, no, there's, there's another reason for that. And, and we see that. I'm going to quote from Max Lucado. Max says this, God hears our requests, but His answer is not always what we'd like it to be. Why? Because God knows more about life than we do. And so when God answers our prayers, and it's not necessarily instantaneous, or it's not necessarily in the way that we would like it to be, it's not because He doesn't care, it's not because He's not available, it's not because He's not gracious, and it's not because He is not answering. It's because God has the big picture. God sees what we don't see. Because God knows more about life and about our lives than we do. And sometimes that just involves waiting on Him to provide what we really need. Um, Deb Bogart, who read our Scripture today, 
is a person who, in her life right now, kind of exemplifies what it means just to knock at the door and to be waiting. And I've asked Deb to share a little bit about that and, and what that's been like for her and, and where she is. And again, this is highlighting prayer in our church. Why we pray, how we pray, and, and what goes on while we're waiting for God to answer our prayers. Deb? Well, first I want to read First Thessalonians five sixteen to 18 which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So for the last year and a half, I've been going through a lot of water. I I call it fishing with Jesus. (laughs) He helps me catch a few fish here or there. I haven't quite caught the big one yet, but, um, you know, I've lost parents, haven't been working. It's been pretty hard. I've had to learn to turn back to my family, which is this church, in a really deep way. And I love all of you. The prayer that I've gotten from my family here has not only helped me, but it's reached to my family, to my parents, who I had a God-honoring closure with both of them. My father accepted God. He's in heaven. He would not have gotten there without prayer. My mom recommitted her life to Christ with a covenant pastor, Kathy's brother-in-law, down in Vancouver because there were people praying here and down there for my mom. For me, what, what prayer has done is it's taken me out of the why frame of mind, crying, why God, why God, to counseling and, and working with our pastor where he's been able to say to me, Debbie, it's not what you can't do. It's what you can do. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it you can do? And taking that frame of of thought and prayer has allowed me to take another step each day. It's allowed me to heal. It's allowed me to become healthier. And it's allowing me now to become even more missional, to reach outside myself, to look at how I can help others. Because that's ultimately what God wants us to do, right? Not be inside ourselves. Not sit and wallow in, you know, the sorrow or where we are, but to really be healthy and to be able to help others. Prayer for me is something that started when my turtle died at when I was seven years old. <laughs> my brothers and I had a funeral. I wrapped that little bugger up in a matchbox and dug it on my flower bed, and every half hour I checked to see if it went to heaven. <laughs> the next morning I went out to my flower box and dug it up and came running in so excited because it was an empty matchbox. And I heard my mother later as I was older say she was so thankful that my dad had helped Jesus get that (laughs) turtle to heaven. (laughs) But you know, that simple little act of faith as a child took seed in me. And my parents and my brothers know I pray. And one of my brothers is now reaching out to me and thanking me for praying for him and restoring our relationship as a family. And again, I'm going to say, you're my family. You have been amazing for me to be able to come and ask for prayer over and over and over and over again and not to be tired to pray for me. When I'm not here to pray for me, people all over praying for me, I cannot tell you how deep, how much that has helped me. If you're not one who asks for prayer, if you're not one who's used to doing that, I pray 
that God takes you to that place. Because prayer is powerful. Pastor Heather will tell you, it's our tool. It's our only tool that the Holy Spirit gives us to help others. It is deep and powerful. So thank you. Thank you so much for praying for me. And I thank God that he loves me at the level he does. And he is able to empower me to lay down my um, fear, fear to ask for prayer or my fear of feeling like I'm just being self-centered because I'm not. When you go for prayer and you ask for prayer, it God heals you. Now, I'm not done. I'm still fishing. I'm still praying for the job. I'm still praying for continued healing with my family. But you know what? I trust. I have a deep trust in God. And he is going to restore that also. Thank you, Deb, so much. Go ahead and take that. Let's hear it for Deb. So... Deb alluded to it in the, in the final few verses of the passage. Jesus says, you know, which of you fathers, if has a son, ask for a fish, will give him a snake, or ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Even though you're sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Again, lesser to greater, here it comes. How much more? That's the greater. Will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit. So the Lord not only wants to provide for your temporal, physical, material needs, but He wants to give you internal, spiritual provisions so that you might be in alignment and able to live for Jesus. How much more will your Father give in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask to Him? Henry Ward Beecher, when speaking of the Lord's Prayer, said this, I used to think the Lord's Prayer was a short prayer, but as I live longer and see more of life, I believe there's no such thing as getting through it. If a man, and I might add a woman, is praying that prayer, where were to be stopped by every word until he or she had thoroughly prayed it, it would take a lifetime. What I'm going to ask us to do this morning as I conclude the message is to pray together the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's up on the screen. Let's pray it together as a sign of community, as a sign of identity, as a sign of unity. Let's pray as Jesus taught us as His disciples to pray. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As the worship team comes up and prepares to, to lead us in our next song, I'd just like to have a moment. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what cares uh, are weighing you down, what your requests are to God. But in the spirit of our parable, in the spirit of coming to the God who is available, who cares, who hears, who responds, I'd encourage you just to knock this morning. Knock and experience that door being opened to you by God our Heavenly Father. Let's just take a moment and in your own heart and mind Whatever your request is to God, whatever your need is this morning, 
whatever your praise is this morning, just take a moment and speak to the Lord, just in quiet.